Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant. A stinking mutant. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? To hated and feared this week we're saying no more mucus because i'm sick <laughs> we're gonna be missing holly this week uh she is busy uh hopefully we will catch her next time and joining me this week are janosh hello and kiwi hello yeah we're saying we're saying goodbye to mucus and we're also uh saying goodbye to uninteresting issues of comics and talking about them in detail yeah we're gonna adjust our format uh just so you know as the audience um and we're gonna talk we're gonna spend less time on books that we aren't enjoying so that we can spend more time talking about the stuff we are enjoying and so we don't feel like bogged down about it yeah last week we were gonna record uh, and we had like six or seven comics lined up, and out of those, like five were completely uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's what is it? Dark X Men, Alpha Flight, Astonishing Iceman, Uncanny Avengers. We're all just there's a fight for most of the issue, or there's just like nothing happening, and then at the end there's like a little something, but it was it's just like. Yeah, a fight happens for a while. Um, we we don't have anything more to say about it. Just really. one of the worst weeks of like X comics. I don't know. <laughs> it, and then uh, this past week, we also had Wolverine and Invincible Iron Man eleven come out, which I think we can also very much breeze by. Yeah, fuck Wolverine. I didn't even read that one. There's like one, like minorly kind of interesting thing which is uh jun the character from x factor that x factors still like have captive or something at the end of the last issue we saw is just there like doing orcus work so either either this episode will or this wolverine like takes place before the x factor stuff or it just doesn't matter but it was just like huh what's she doing there you mean X Force? Yeah. With the, did I say X Factor or? Yes. Yeah, it's so easy to s- s- uh, get those switched. Is there anything we can even say about like Dark X Men, Alpha Flight, or Astonishing Iceman? Because I'm looking at 
these summaries here and they barely remember any of them. I I enjoyed them, but there's not much to say because all of them are like, these are the stakes for what we're going to see next week. And I'd rather talk about that when there's a conclusion. I think the part of Dark X-Men where uh, Gambit is just like explaining how all the oh, team yeah. are fucked up is very yes. funny. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I like I like Dark X-Men, but like, yeah, it was j- just after that, it's just a fight for 15 pages. No, that part um, with like so. Gambit and Rogue was great. Like that was like some of the best Gambit Rogue interactions we've had in I don't know when. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see they are still married. <laughs> that one conversation was better than most of the Rogan Gambit miniseries, yeah, absolutely. if not all of it. I thought it was funny that even uh, Ben Riley's chasm doesn't want to be in the issue. Like, he shows up <laughs> and he goes, he no, like, big... leave me alone. <laughs> and then he goes He was back the in big cliffhanger at the end of the last one, and then it was just like, eh, I don't, I don't I, feel like it. It's very funny to be like oh yeah he's this guy we have him like locked up and it's gonna be a problem and then it's just like oh yeah he's still spider-man oops like (laughs) he's not going to side with the villains he's not gonna be evil just to be evil yeah but i i was talking to the guy i buy books from yeah and he was like he was like yeah i'm not excited about dark x-men because like i don't care about chasm and then i read the book the same day and I was like, wow, even Chasm doesn't give a shit about <laughs> Chasm. I, I mean, I also, like, I, I think Dark X-Men is, like, it is, you know, a very pretty book. And uh, I, I, I like the, gen- the energy of it, like, in general. But, like, I was really, like, this week I was, or, like, last week I was really struggling with, like, justifying why we should care about this team. Like, I especially don't care about whatever Azazel is up to. <laughs> I, th- this this book has not sold me on that character. Alpha Flight, I don't remember. There were box sentinels and like fucking one of the one of the kids was running away and the others were blown up. Or at least they were attacking where they were. Great. Uh Iceman Iceman is the one that is the most 20 pages of a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and then he also has, like, a long conversation with Spider-Man and goes home. And that's the book. He and, has a New Romeo York slice with Spider-Man. Yeah. S- Spider-Man does the, like, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not gay, but I, if, I wish I was gay. Like, I'm not a mutant, but I, I wish I was a mutant. Like, I, I would be such a good... Or, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you guys. Yeah, like. that's something that ha- that is then being done like way better in Uncanny Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. What was that meme that was happening a few weeks ago that everyone was like was controversial? Uh, like when you say the the girls, the gays, and theys, could you also include whatever straight white guy <laughs> wanted to be included? <laughs> yeah, it's just like can, Spider-Man can, in this moment. Can you also <laughs> include me, Derek? This is very much Spider-Man being like, no, I get it. Flipping through it, fight, 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 fight. Um, more fight, and then they, they... They don't eat a New York slice, they eat a bagel. They eat uh, Oh, a New York bagel. They eat the other New York thing. <laughs> the other New York thing. 
Yeah, because he couldn't get a bagel on Krakoa, even though there are bagel plants. That's the whole thing. Yeah, but they're not as good. Apparently they're not as good as the New York bagel. I, I did have uh, bagels when I was in New I remember I remember I saying I went to New York, didn't have a New York slice. I did have a bagel, and it was fine. I didn't really... I don't, I don't really <laughs> like bagels that much. <laughs> I had a bagel in New Orleans. That was pretty good. But not because it was like a local anything. It was just we needed to eat something. The thing is... The bagels in Long Island are way better than the bagels in the city. And so (laughs) (laughs) that's the New York bagel secret. (laughs) I don't know if we said it. There's no news this week. No, nothing happened while we're recording. (laughs) We have the next chunk here for Jerry Duggan Corner, and they just I just saw the summary that uh, Kiwi wrote for Iron Man 12 here. Oh yeah, we don't. I don't even think we need to read the summary. Or, no, or read the summary for Iron Man. I think we can breeze through it too. But, I mean, yeah, for Iron Man, we can said, read it. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do summaries. So it's just like, uh, oh. I, I'm just gonna put something in as a placeholder for me. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still have it there. Well, an Iron Heart. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking now. <laughs> yeah, we have we have the, the entire summary for Iron Man. Is Emma and Iron Heart have a fight, which is exactly what happened. It was good to see, uh, good to see Emma Blonde again for that like fight they have in their minds, and that's all the thoughts I have on that issue. Did Did you see the cover at the end? Uh, the like cover for thirteen. Where, I did uh, see it. There- they're in space and wearing armor, and Emma still has her tits out. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! That's uh, of course. Um, oh, that's a good cover. That th- yeah, it looks like looks like Fernando to me, but maybe not. No, I, I think it's uh, Kale New. Um, it's the same cover artist. Oh no, it's the same. The, yeah, it's the regular pages. cover artist yeah. they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Emma has the same makeup <laughs> in that with the, the blue lipstick. It's, I mean, the art in this issue is I, I think, I think the problem that happens to the art here is that they have guest artists sometimes, but don't like swap out the colorist or don't like coordinate with whoever does the colors. Or they don't just tell the colorist to, like, go off, you know, get a little nutty with it or whatever. <laughs> like, make it clearer it's a guest artist, I think. Yeah, this guest artist has, like, a very different style, which is a pretty cool style, but it's uh, it has that, like, pencil sketch type thing. It is uh, IG Guerrera is the yeah. artist on this one. So it, it, it feels like something that should be, like, colored more, like, creatively or more, like adjusted to the art itself because there's some panels where it just looks like the colorist like wasn't sure where the lines end (laughs) just kind of paints over the faces it's Um, cool that they draw emma with like human woman uh proportions yeah like i really i really liked that it's not like not even like pushed into a direction where her spine or anything is broken in any way. She looks like whatever age she should be, like, you know. Yeah, and she looks, like, she she looks good still. You know how, like, fucking, a lot of weird people got mad about, like, Dolly Parton uh, performing 
at the Cowboys game in the like during the uniform because uh, she was like seventy something. I don't, but I believe she, you. That she shouldn't be dressing like that. But that that was another thing where like okay, I mean obviously it's because she's rich and she can afford like having things done to her body. But like definitely looks like she'd be like fifty at best. Like. <laughs> I mean, Susan not like seventy gone something. Viral like three times this past week for just being like a hot old lady. So it's yeah. not like they're not in the conversation. But yeah, Emma looks like she's probably in her like thir- late thirties here, and like actually looks like a person in their thirties at the very least, and yeah. still looks good. And I like to see that in art. At the you know, I like to see. I don't know. I don't know what my fucking point is. Emma looks hot here, and I wanted to say it in a way that was like grounded and didn't in any way make me think me seem like a being that has horniness in them. But I can't do that. Yeah, she looks. Uh, no, I, I, I had, I had the same thought, except of I, I wasn't getting, wasn't getting mad about it. Uh, but, but I, <laughs> I also had the thought of like. She looks like a, you know, like a, like a human person's body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad about having to talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> I'm not. I've, I've gotten over, over the shame of talking about anything on a podcast at this point. We've talked so much about jacking off on who watches the watch that like at this point, I'm like, I, I, I don't know if this has been established lore yet, but I was raised very conservatively. So, like, talking about this shit is still, like, it feels so edgy to me all the time, even though it shouldn't. I have that whenever I'm podcasting with Americans, like. <laughs> um, yeah, this last, like, I mean, especially this last, like, big page spread of um, fucking Rody at the end, like, looks really good, like, the. The the artist did go off like on on some pages, even though I think the coloring is a little bit off sometimes. Yeah, I um, I Ironheart is not a character I've. I think I've I've I read like the the comics where she first started, um, but kind of and she was in the Champions, but. I do like how her armor like looks like the the color scheme works well and stuff but i hate that she like in the last iron man run she got the mandarin's 10 rings that just give her superpowers um and i really think it's dumb to have a character whose power is being smart and building your own armor <laughs> and then giving them 10 different superpowers on top of that for one for each ring that's just i, I don't understand why you did that i think it's stupid um, but that barely comes up here. It's just that's yeah. how she's able to do telepathy is because that's what one of the rings does. Um, but it's, Iron it's Heart is not really anything to me, like other than like being a like popular Marvel Snap card, like chose yeah. one of the starter cards. I think. So. Oh, she do probably one of my most played cards. Yeah, she seems cool to me. I'm just like, I don't like Iron Man. So when I, I'm not interested in reading about a sidekick, I guess. But she also kind of showed up when I fell off of comics for a bit. So I just don't know her. 
Right, but like with Iron Man, at least I know what his deal is from like pop culture and from like him showing up in other comics. Like with Ironheart, I like don't even have that. She's like, like a very young char- character, though. In she starts fighting like with them immediately, so. and that's like yeah. all I learn. Like you know, you don't really get to know her before she, which is fair because it is the Iron Man book. Yeah, you probably are supposed to know his sidekick going in. Yeah, she she was a big part of that last Iron Man run that I stopped reading five issues in, where she mm-hmm. got the the rings. But Great. like I say, I, I yeah. I mean, this book hasn't even really convinced me to keep reading this book. To be honest, like no. if Emma wasn't here, I wouldn't be reading. So yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, I I think like once Krakoa ends, the Duggan run is also gonna end on Iron Man because I can't imagine him going on with this but like anchoring it just like purely in iron man stuff like i don't i don't think he's remote even remotely interested in doing that <laughs> um do we want to jump to our other Dublin yeah let's book? talk about the big reveal everyone is talking about uncanny avengers Number four of five. Um, do we have to read the summary for this one? I mean, we can if you, and then you can decide if you want. But I don't. I don't think we need a summary to discuss this. Like, I don't yeah, know. I don't think we need a summary either. I have literally two things to say about the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I've one one thing from Iron Man that I forgot to mention, which is uh, I think it's really funny that they're just like blaming Mystique for everything now. That they're oh, like, yeah, that's last, last week yeah. in X-Men, they were like, oh, that was Mystique. And here in Iron Man, they're just like, goddamn, Mystique, she, she's just constantly getting us. And then in Spider-Man, it's kind of like, that is what she's doing. She's just going around causing chaos. Um, and we'll talk more about it there, but I think it's really great that they just have this, this canned excuse. Oh, and they celebrate Thanksgiving because it came out in the week of the American Thanksgiving. But yeah. there wasn't, like, a thing in any of the other issues. Like, I don't... It's such a... Obviously, it's not American. It's just completely nothing holiday to me. <laughs> so, it's not like... Yeah. Oh, I'm American. I forgot. Thanksgiving was all right this year. <laughs> Actually, the time I went to... America was for Thanksgiving um, for like my my cousins, my aunt and uncle and it was pretty good got like wasted the night before and then uh, <laughs> I mean uh, that's the thing is, is Thanksgiving is like way more of a drinking and holiday than people talk about I think yeah, in the US and, and uh, that's like we, the main thing that makes it fun <laughs> we, we smuggled over some puchine in uh wine bottles and then had that after thanksgiving which was uh puchin is like uh extremely strong homemade alcohol from uh that people used to make back when the the brits like outlawed alcohol people would just make it in their back gardens Mm. or like out in the sheds uh and yeah it's like the only time i had (laughs) puchin it's like fucking 60% 60% or something or like oh damn yeah 
Anyway, uh, Uncanny Avengers. <laughs> Uncanny Avengers. It's no Thanksgiving in this one. Written by Jerry Duggan, art. They should by... have, you know, they should have uh, thrown like a uh, let's let's be thankful for Captain America for exposing <laughs> Orcas for what they are. Less than honest. Art by yeah. Javier Garon, colors by Maury Hollowell. Yeah, Javier Garon is back. Art is still great. I think of all the books, this is the one I like the least at this point. Really. I don't know why, it just seems like all the answers they give are too, yeah, like, unearned in a weird way. Like, we'll get to the reveal in a second, but, like, I think it's weird how uh, Quicksilver's super speed gets to be used constantly as, like, a, a quick fix button. Like, he <laughs> just runs and finds the nuke and puts it out there, and then the nuke is not a problem anymore. Um... I think Blob's uh, turn back to the regular team was not well established in this book. He's just kind of uh, back on the team at the end. So, like, why even dedicate as much space as you have to that storyline to begin with if you're not going to, like, resolve it in any way that's satisfying? And I think there is a satisfying resolution there. I did think it was sickish, sick as hell when... Psylocke cut off the Fenris twins' hands, though. That was the best part of the book, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you say. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. To me, uh, the last issue, issue three of this was so terrible. Like, Jerry Duggan, like, completely mangled any of the themes that, uh, that the series had that I, there's not really anything to be salvaged at this point. Um, and with this fucking reveal at the end, which Captain Krakoa is the person everyone thought he would be, just just like how Nemesis was the person everyone thought she would be. <laughs> like, we're, we're two for two in reveals that nobody saw coming. And that's, like, okay, I think, for the most part, and worked honestly better with Nemesis than it did here, because Fashcap is not part of this book at all. Right. Fashcap has not been part of the Krakoan Age at all. I was, that's kind of what I was going to say, like, different Marvel thing. (laughs) With the the last issue just centering all on how cool Captain America is for, uh, for telling it to the people as it is, and in this one, the big bad being revealed as another Captain America character like I just don't see it as as like an important X-book in in the way it wants to be like this is the main book that uh freaking Dr. Stasis is in like and although Dr. Stasis is like probably the most like the lamest of the sinister brotherhood oh absolutely (laughs) Yeah, so Absolutely. Can, like put him here. That's fine. <laughs> I I think the the like the cap reveal. I'm not gonna say it's like great to me, but it kind of works as this. It's the same like Captain America saying, um, "You know, I want America to be for the mutants, and this is my 
my version of what America should represent and then having the other version, which is like fash cap, but is also just kind of what America does want in, in some ways, like in, in this moment, the Captain Krakoa is representing America better, more realistically than Captain America actually is kind of, and that's almost interesting, but it's mm-hmm. also still, it's just like, yeah, it's the, the one from the event everyone hated a few years ago. And <laughs> like, uh, and also there's some, there's, there's some more like kind of lib, like, um, Ben Urich being like, I'm a reporter. And there's like the the light coming from behind him, and it's like he's framed, like he's doing a big. Uh, it's the scene from the getting, West Wing. Yeah. They've deli- he delivered the news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, that that it's like, oh yeah, the power of print media is gonna it's gonna turn this mm-hmm. thing all on its head. If that newspaper gets out, they'll be they'll be quaking in their boots. They'll yeah, be doomed. Jerry Duggan loves Ben Urich, and I think. He worked better in the in the X book, like before the resurrection was revealed. Like it, I think he was more like the the, the like power of media or whatever thing of like honest journalism, honest you, you know, real uh, unbiased journalism thing. Worked better when it's about you know revealing the uncomfortable like secret that the mutants are hiding right when like us the readers have to like the characters that we are rooting for uh we need to come around to like them like making a concession here to like in the name of like being honest and coming clear that's more interesting than the journalist figure being the uh the the mirror that like is like being held up to power and like standing up to power, standing up to the evil guys. Like that's that's hack. <laughs> that's hack. Yeah, shit. he was definitely more interesting in that role. And also it, it like I'm I'm sure we'll get another bit of like how does Ben York feel about the kingpin of it all, like in, in the next issue in the finale. But the fact that it just skips over right here feels very strange that it's just like he's accepted it and he's on board with taking testimony from someone who has like worked to destroy his life before has been like his his nemesis as much as a non-superhero person can have a nemesis in this universe you know that that it's moving past that just feels very strange. The other, the last thing I want to say about this reveal is that I mean I had a similar issue with the Nemesis one, but like if you if you have to explain your reveal to the reader, it it might not be. It might not be a, like a secret that's worth like revealing. Like he's, and this is a problem with like I, I I said this earlier that like every like Captain America just looks like or Steve Rogers just looks like the 
the like average blonde guy like you know like completely indistinct looking character so yeah it's not gonna be like you turn the page page and uh oh it's a blonde guy <laughs> so he has to explain uh i here i am hail and hearty your hydra race counterpart steve rogers they should have honestly gone with the other the other character everyone was assuming it was nuke because that could have been like some interesting art uh, with his, like, tattoo being, like, erased below the mask or whatever. That could be interesting. And, like, easily, like, pointed out without the extra need for text. Yeah, any and, character with distinctive like, he's features. in the yeah. book earlier in the flashback <laughs> with the, um, with Ben Yurik and the Kingpin earlier. So he's the, like, other character from that other story they keep referencing back to. Like, why not just go with that guy then? <laughs> The, the little bits before the reveal where it's like Cap saying like, oh, I, I know how good your hearing is. So I have to get like thrown from a mile away. And like when when he throws the uh, shield and everyone is like, ah, fuck. Oh, no, he can throw the shield. <laughs> um, I, I Those are kind of neat, but like just just neat, not like enough to hey, justify it. I'm, I'm trying to think if uh captain krakoa being evil steve rogers would have worked better if it's like not a reveal at all if because i feel like if it had been like issue one right we see captain krakoa like throwing the shield like we're like holy shit that's crazy you know and then he's being revealed as being nazi steve rogers and then you know it's about the fight against like the nazi steve rogers teaming up with orcas for like the remaining four issues may have worked better than like making it a big reveal when like teasing it out until everyone will be able to guess it. Yeah. I think like there's, there's the idea in storytelling that if your audience gets the reveal, that just means that they are participating well and you are telling the story well, as opposed to like, um, the reveal being a big twist and yeah. that being like its own like aspect like those those can be both exist and both be done well right like yeah the reveal doesn't have to be a twist but here that doesn't work because there is nothing in this book about this fucking guy until he shows up yeah. until he takes the mask off it's just like oh remember that clickbait thing you all got mad about 10 years ago <laughs> he's back <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that kind of covers it. Yeah. Well, it really does feel like they picked this guy. Like, I am I'm, I'm, I don't know, Gerard Duggan, I don't know what your deal is right now, but it does kind of feel like you're, you picked this guy for the clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess there is the connection to, like, Deadpool as well, but, like, because, like, He's the one who convinced Deadpool to join the Avengers during Secret Empire, and that's why Deadpool got all fucked up or, like, had a bad reputation for a while, but, I like... Well, and they've alluded to that a couple of times, right? Yeah, and that's... But, like, yeah. if they took kind of some of the Ben Yurik shit out of the book and put some more Deadpool stuff in the book, then that would be more that would be better you know like balance out your your storytelling 
to fit the big things, I think, a little bit more. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it says here in the uh in the text for the next issue, like in the follow the fall page, uh the mystery revealed Captain Krikoa's mask is finally violently punched off and the revelation will send the Avengers and X-Men reeling. Like do the X-Men even know well, about yeah, this guy don't care. <laughs> they don't care. why would they care about this guy like i i i would get they, the they avengers probably... being centrilling but <laughs> they they probably did anti-mutant stuff during secret empire i don't remember but they probably did it's just not that's yeah yeah it's just not a threat that the uh the mutants have had like on their minds for or like you know it wasn't like a threat that was building up throughout Krakoa in any way, so I don't know why the why this would like like Orcus is scary enough. Like they're evil enough. They're fascist enough. Like I don't see how this would like suddenly make them like much more of a menace. It's more interesting to me to see a character that is different than the the person directly opposing them uh-huh. and has been put through different circumstances um, rather than just like a slight twist on the same guy. Yeah. Like that's really what it comes down to is I just like, don't find someone that is a clone like Ben Riley or someone that is this other type of clone like fash cap to be as compelling as I would a villain that you take the time to like, give some agency put some interest into because like really all this guy has done is steal a nuke and and fuck (laughs) fuck one of the Fenris twins so you're not really showing like what his side of this fascism is or not 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 this fascism his side of being like Steve Rogers is within this book either by making it this big reveal and making it this big thing it's just like Oh, evil people are evil because they're evil. And that's fine sometimes, but it doesn't feel earned here. Yeah. I Well we'll we'll, we'll see how it wraps up. The the last issue of uh of Uncanny Avengers ended with uh see the blossoming of the most unexpected romance in Uncanny Avengers history. Like <laughs> it was we saw like there was like two panels of them being like of them making like one liners at each other like i'm I, and i'm not saying i want more quicksilver and um monet monet uh romance stuff in the five issue uncanny avengers series it just feels like a pretty pointless part of it i guess I mean, personally, I don't care about either of these characters, like either Monet or Quicksilver, so it's... I'm not, like, getting fandom mad that they shouldn't be together. It's just... why? Yeah, I think they're, they're like, a fine pair. I don't really... But it's just, yeah, I just don't really care about their romance, and I specifically don't care about their romance in this setting. <laughs> The fights are cool. It's cool when they're punching. Yeah. 
quite quite often yes <laughs> yeah i mean the art is still amazing in this issue like uh yeah the, the like sinister faces in the first few pages or um stasis faces that he makes in the first few pages are very good it's cool that wild style got to use his powers for once <laughs> yeah yeah puck still didn't get to like jump around like a rubber in the issue of alpha flight as well. like <laughs> i i think last issue of alpha flight there was another thing that i was like alpha flight just doesn't do any like they are the, the the actual alpha flight members right like they barely yeah. do any fights yeah i mean that's the problem with intentionally showing up late to like not fight <laughs> is that you don't get to see any cool fights <laughs> So, Children of the Vault 4, written by Dennis Camp, uh, art by Luca Maresca, colors by Carlos Gomez. Across the world, the message reaches its final form, which is transforming people into a new, uh, a new type of being which the children can use. Uh, Morte badly damages the Orcus Forge around the sun, stopping their sentinel production. Cable uses a highly advanced version of the techno-organic virus to infect the city, and Bishop threatens to destroy the children who are meant to be the next generation of the city with a bomb. The children surrender, returning to the city, uh, deactivating the message and causing massive displacement and destruction when their tomorrow towns break down to toxic materials. Remember when I was like, I, I think uh, Cable and Bishop will win, but it will be quite bad that they won. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's where I was going, but it's like they have made the world a significantly like I mean they have saved the world, but also like just displaced a bunch of extremely vulnerable people and like poisoned them basically. Yeah. Um it's like it's, it's not their fault, but they share in the blame at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like it's sick. It's the like you 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 saved the world and you fucked it up. Yeah. Like but there's no other way it could have gone probably. The two of them alone have done more for this like war on Orcus that's going on in the Fall of X than any other like <laughs> subgroup we've seen. So yeah. like, they literally blew up the Mother Mold forge outside yeah. of the sun that they've been trying to deal with for forever. <laughs> And they that, used, like, it, used up a bunch of sentinels fighting as well, like Yeah. That that like image on like one of the first pages of just like what does it say in the text? One thousand sentinels an hour being sent out of the mother mold. So sick. <laughs> yeah. That it's just puking them out. Like. Yeah. <laughs> It's cool that Muerte only has, like, three or four pages, too, but he does become, like, a very tragic character. Like, you've been hearing about him a little bit here and there in the data pages as we've been going through, and how he's, like, the only one that's not maybe the same as we've seen with these other uh, children. Uh, and then he's just, like, crying as he blows up the mother molds. <laughs> like, no, I hate this. Yeah. He just has a cool rock, and the cool rock does a massive explosion. Uh, yeah, and it's like, and at the end, Orcus are again, you know, able to take a propaganda victory by saying that they yeah. defeated the children, but they still have like a, 
they they have a propaganda victory, but like physically, just like resource wise, they have still taken quite a lot of damage from this. Um, so it's like it's fine; it works out. It's just such um, a good character book for Cable and uh, Bishop. Like the way the way they're like, as you said, like make, making the world worse in the end, like giving <laughs> giving Orcus a moral victory, uh, you know, making everything toxic, and meanwhile they keep like doing action movie smirks throughout the entire thing. Like they're having a great time, just like causing distraction. Well, really a really cool thing about this book and this like series more as a whole i'd have to go to look through the other books again to be sure of this but like they're almost never just like posing they're almost always like in an active like pose that like fits with the action they're doing in the book which is not something you see in a lot of books honestly they're they're posing in a way that also something happens like they're doing the there's there's uh, an action behind it that yeah establishes why they're moving the way they are and there is like a story to each position their body is in rather than just looking cool for the sake of looking cool for a panel yeah, yeah. they are doing the predator meme handshake <laughs> yeah the threat is you know uh the techno-organic virus is going to take over the city unless you shut down and then if you don't like the entire earth is doomed but that's not even enough. What we're actually going to do is we have a bomb in your like cloning vats. And if you refuse, we'll blow that up. And if we blow that up, the the virus isn't stopping. The earth is destroyed, but we, we will have gotten you. Yeah. And like, that's, that's enough <laughs> is very cool that it's like, and they, they are these time travelers. They have a different, sort of understanding of what 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 is worth doing or sort of what is like acceptable to to them um and the idea that they they would have just gone through on that threat like if they had to um is really sick and uh, it's like uh very Again, very Doctor Who. I know I said this last time, but like the the doctor standing there and being like, you think I won't do it? I'll fucking do it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's a cool counterpoint to uh, what we'll see in Jean Grey number one, because her story is coming down a lot to like, um, like her having to accept that you can't change the past no matter how much you want to. And these guys not only believe that but they're from the future, so they don't give a shit if they break a few things along the way. They just know that, like, in the end, like, you know, we're just going to try and do better moving forward. <laughs> yeah, and, like, there's there's always a future to go back to, even if it's not the future they know, like... I mean, Cable's favorite food is, like, a irradiated rat, you know? <laughs> so he's, he's, he's yeah. looking for a post-apocalyptic future to live in. Yeah, and I really love how, like, uh, in the end, when, like, or, like, towards the end, when it becomes clear that they that they won, and then Serafina is like, but the X-Men wouldn't do that. Like, you're heroes, right? And then the bishop is like, why not the X-Men? 
you wouldn't kill also, babies like, like they're, they're she's she's especially like the x-men would do this yeah <laughs> seraphina is like you wouldn't kill babies and then bishop's like well actually um yeah i love that like <laughs> yeah i i wish i wish i wouldn't but like i know from experience i would kill babies yeah. i tried yeah. to i i started um, a war over trying to kill a baby ma'am the bit with diamante is very cool like he is the the xylo of like xylo in x-men red has the complete history of mutant kind this guy has the complete history yeah. of the vault or the children of the vault and it's like that being destroyed is kind of horrific no matter what like that there's this you know this history of of this people that's being destroyed by the techno organic virus that like unclear whether that would be recoverable or what would happen there like and he's just um it's, it's just like a, again a really cool like <clears throat> the thing you're doing is very fucked up you're like going beyond just <clears throat> hurting these people you're like destroying their history you're you're forcing them back um but I think it's cool that he looks like Charles. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his. I like his head. Oh, I like the Seraphina is like. You, no, I. I want like. We we need to fight the Dominion. I'll. I'll we'll we'll help you with that. And they're just like, nah, fuck off. No, you you will not. Like, <laughs> we'll deal with that. Um. Which is also it's kind of some of that in Immortal as well of yeah. like when the Dominion comes we'll deal with it like we but um, I do like Cable and Bishop are probably like ah oh, yeah we can sort that out by ourselves like uh, uh, being outside of space and time that uh, has has limitless powers like That's I'm sure we can figure that out for. That's what <laughs> yeah. we do get over yourselves children yeah, this book is great. I I don't know. I like don't have as many deep thoughts left, but uh, Dennis Dennis Camp and and Luca Maresca are like an incredible team, and I'm excited to see hopefully see them see do stuff together moving forward. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that like I I, I guess maybe because it's four issues, uh, it's one of the only of these minis we've had that stuck with the same artist throughout yeah um, a lot of them ended up getting guest artists yeah like some of half. them worked out better some of them worse but like i think for this it it really it, it it really works well to have like a unified artistic vision uh it's gonna be a great uh trade paperback when it comes out like this is one there's a good chance i'll pick it up because it's like you know it's gonna be a thin <laughs> uh not too pricey one so it's like you know, and it is self-contained. Like you can just like pick it up and re- I definitely want to read through the whole thing once it's out in book form because yeah, there's a lot cost, of like one gods. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> of of these minis, I will we'll we'll see how the rest of them finish up. But it's it's probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's probably I don't know. It's uh, Uncanny Spider-Man is definitely the the rival to be to to be beat here though i don't know i think i like uncanny spider-man just a hair more 
Yeah, that's fair. I, I really yeah. like that as well. Yeah. yeah. I think I have, like, Which? I enjoy reading Uncanny Spider-Man more, but this is one that I would more like to be collecting. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And, like, I don't know, this story on its own is, like, Uncanny Spider-Man is very much reliant on the other things yes. going on in other books to work yeah. well, but this one could stand on its own as its own deal. Yeah. <laughs> Uncanny Spider-Man 4, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Lee Garbett, colors by Matt Milla. Uh, Kurt watches Spider-Man deal with a mob of anti-mutant protesters until a sentinel tries to take Spidey away. Mystique tries to blow up the protesters, but Kurt uses the rocket to destroy the sentinel instead. Kurt chases after Mystique, who understands that she is injured in some way, but has focused her energy on hating humans. Silver Sable and Kurt have another date, and she confronts him about his avoidance of larger mutant issues. A member of her team calls her away and reveals that he knows about their relationship, forcing her to capture him. Finally, before he's captured, Kurt goes to talk to Mystique and learns whatever we will learn next week in the Blue Origin issue. <laughs> I love that, like, whole black page of... Uh, and they, they're talking... <laughs> <laughs> you very have to buy a different and, book for this one <laughs> very wicked and divine to me yeah i saw before i before i read this uh i because i don't it might have been like a clickbait article based on like the preview because i saw like there was like another like uh what the fuck is that clickbait website a screen rant uh article that was showing up in my recommendations that was like um marvel just casually revealed that spider-man is a mutant secretly <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they love to they love to do that yeah i mean you know it's the kind of thing where like you know it's you know it's gonna be like them being completely illiterate or ai written <laughs> Yeah. I like that they think the pizza guy is a mutant because the pizza is just too good. <laughs> well, do it's they, cute. Yeah. Do they think that, or does the Spider-Man just explain it with that? I don't remember at this point. Well, there's like some crowd members that are like, I've seen him do like I don't know. There's rumors going around about this guy. But oh I yeah, think, yeah. I think Spider-Man is the one who just says that, and then the rumors, if you read it that way, like lend to it but they probably just are being freaks for the sake of being freaks yeah yeah it's like they they saw him leave flowers at the old tree house or the the x-men base and then my neighbor's mom said she heard he's got like unnatural powers that's it just mob mob justice getting out of hand um yeah they're literally chanting kill the mutie at one point yeah. There's some really good uh, Spider-Man expressions, like um, on the first page, the panel where it's just like him, it's just his face looking down yeah. and it's like, it takes a lot of skill to give Spider-Man a proper expression without doing too much with the eyes, which, you know, sometimes they're, they do a lot with the eyes and that's also good. But here when he's just like, looking around and then later on the shot where the panel where Nightcaller's like that's my mom and then it's just 
Spider-Man doing such a like, <laughs> yeah. huh? Face. <laughs> uh, I I really love that. Like, it's just great, great art. Um, but it's like a specific skill to be doing. Uh, good Spider-Man faces without having a face. Yeah. Um, and and Lee, Lee Garbutt's doing it very very well. Yeah, Lee Garbutt's. Cr- I, uh, I I I I always have the the these experiences where I like read a new comic and I'm like really blown away by the artist or like you know in this case like every time there's a new issue of it we talk about how good it is and then like on my like journey of reading like stuff from like the 2000s or 2010s i like encounter an issue of like uh like i was reading the uh uh one of the bad girl runs like the one that 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 introduced uh stephanie as a bad girl and that one like i i saw that lee garbat is the artist and i was like oh i recognize that name and it's it's always really exciting to see that when like the artist is not quite as refined as they are. Like you can, you can really see the development of someone. Um, I had that with uh, when I read uh, Secret Warriors, which was drawn by Stefano Caselli, who did like a lot of X Men Red. Like that was that was a similar thing where just it wasn't quite as good in that, but like you could see that you know it's the same artist. Yeah, it's always cool to be able to follow someone yeah. in that way. I don't remember what I think I read like a something from the early nineties that was like by Greg Land, but it didn't look it wasn't it was before he just traced everything and it was like, What the fuck? He he used to be able to draw. <laughs> yeah. Like it wasn't I I don't think it was like my favorite art, but it was like, Oh yeah, this is just like competent and good and it's not like literal stills from porn that he's uh which is a thing he has done i feel like we're we're getting it revealed or like the the little the little goblin is saying kind of that legion made him made him yeah which i guess we kind of knew because the hope sword like was but that it's sort of more direct here that he's just he's been I guess sent to stick around and give Nightcrawler some advice or make him try to make him not be depressed. Yeah. But not going so well, but well, I don't think uh Legion was like planning to make the little gremlin <laughs> yeah. the little bamf, but the the little bamf is is all about using every way it can it, twist into uh kurt's insecurities in and yeah. and that's definitely like an also one that helps like hey your friends are dying in order for you to save us all and you still are not coming up to the mission like you're not stepping up to the plate here you're just ignoring your responsibilities even if they don't feel like they have to be your responsibilities to you right now yeah i think this this was a really good like talking out your issue uh, issues uh book which uh which i think is something that comics can often like not get right like it's hard it's hard to write like compelling stuff about your emotional yeah. state while also like 
having a story go around along around it without it feeling like you're just yelling out your feelings. Yeah, and we we still do have the little guy to like kind of yell Nightcrawler's feelings at him yes. a little bit, but yeah. it works. Like, yeah, it works really well. It's a great device that Sai has come up with. Yeah, and it, it it works really well with this like him doing the swashbuckling stuff, and everyone is like, "Dude, you're you're clearly like displacing some shit here." But trying to be the fun hero while, like, all your friends are suffering. It's, like, something that's been going on with Nightcrawler since almost his inception. When he had to take over as leader from Storm, he very aggressively, like, back in the Silver Age, like, or Bronze Age or whatever, was not about being the leader and he was awful about it, you know? Or awful at it. But it was he was bad at it because he didn't want the responsibility, I think. The way he's just, like, sitting back here as well and just watching, like, Spider-Man deal with it is very... Man, you could still just help. Like, yeah. He's the best. Like, Come on, it's Spider-Man. Even if you think he's going to handle it better than you, you're still just watching a mob carry off a guy for being a suspected mutant. And then, like, when, when the Sentinel says, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna still arrest this guy just cause, uh, and then he's like, oh, shit, yeah, okay, I, I'll do something. But it's like, you could have saved that guy. <laughs> you didn't need to wait. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's what he's he's dealing with. And it's also a good moment to reflect on the, like, fascism of it all, because in order to keep that sort of... um authoritarian uh fear-based uh propaganda going they need to constantly produce results in the same way like maybe i guess the stock market number has to keep going up you know you keep having to have you have to have as a society within that system bad guys to show to your like populace in order to keep the lie going you know and that's what's happening here is like he's just a pizza guy he's not a mutant but he is being blamed so that they can keep having the number go up or whatever. And and they're broadening the scope. So, like, including Spider-Man, which is the thing that they've all... And that in that's a thing in Iceman as well, that there was just, like, a, a mutate who had, like, a tattoo or whatever. Like, there's a bunch of... I, I mean, what Iceman has been about is that Orcus are broadening the scope and just taking whoever and here it is as well like yeah that that they'll just come for you for everyone eventually um and then mystique shows up and starts blasting and it's great i love <laughs> i love this version of mystique who is just an agent of chaos and yeah. like it's it's like every other time or like a lot of the time mystique is a character who is like second in command or in command and has like an organization that she is working within or for and like has has these specific goals and the idea of her just going around and doing whatever she wants and just destroying things and being incredibly capable and like willing and able to just do whatever she wants and just is going around fucking shit up constantly is very very fun that like She's just, 
she's just going around stealing guns constantly and just shooting people and like nobody can ever find her and Orcus are constantly like oh fuck she took out like another outpost or like oh shit she's just like killed two random guards in Central Park or something yeah. like she, she like destroyed this one Orcus agent's brain who uh who was if it, it feels like Sysperia is the only guy who remembers the kill ten people rule <laughs> from because <laughs> I feel like it's it's come up in Uncanny Spider Man more than like any of the actual Jerry Duggan stuff he wrote. And it's so good because like even if Mystique was in her full like if she didn't have like brain damage and memory issues right now, if you came to her and were like Hey, every time we see you, we'll kill t- 10 humans. she go, sick. Like, <laughs> less for me to kill. Like, she wouldn't care. Um, and it's very funny. And then she just, like, rebounds. Or she's so, like, consumed by anger that it just rebounds and fucks that guy up. It's, it's great. Yeah. It is a different type of, like... Uh... Because, like, in the last... In Children of the Vault, we, you know, we talked about, like, how Cable and uh, Bishop are, like, these... You know, they're doing these horrible things, basically, and, like, willing to fuck everything up. And this is, like, a different type of anti-hero with, like, Mystique, where it's, like... Spider-Man is, like, did she just shoot that bazooka at the mutant haters instead of the murder machine and it's like yeah that's not what spider-man would do but like still fuck those like anti-mutant people yeah fuck those guys and it's so good that she she fires the rocket and then she uses it as a uses the launcher as a melee weapon but just like smacks the guy in the head and it's like well i don't have any more rockets but like I'm still just gonna bash the shit out of someone. <laughs> There's a line in there somewhere, I'm having trouble finding it, where she's just like, I don't care if you break my stuff, I'm gonna steal more guns, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's on the data page. <laughs> and um, she can, like, create, um, like, cavities in her body to hide weapons within. She's so gross, but yeah. also sick. Silver Sable listening in on all that as well, and, like... Oh, that whole, that whole situation's fucked. Um, I sh- I should maybe talk to my boyfriend about uh, how every everything seems fucked up right now, and then he shows up to the date and is just like, "Hey, look, um, great trap earlier. Uh, I thought about how to reform your economy <laughs> in your country. You want to? Here's here's a here's a concert tape. Uh, do not talk to me about any of my issues, please." Uh, it's so funny. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, you are really, really going through it. Yeah. There's an interest, some interesting lore about the other two hounds, aside from Feral being um, Reaper and Fatal, because they are the members of like an X Men, not an X Men, like a mutant terrorist group uh, from the post like Decimation together. Um, along with Abyss, who we saw in Dark X-Men this past week. Oh. Um, the, <laughs> that's where those three are from. Yeah. Um, killed by his own daddy. But it's probably also very much like... I, I'm guessing these people are from the Chuck Austin 
run like the part i haven't gotten to yet <laughs> maybe well because like azazel having um yeah another child that can also teleport or has like a teleportation space in his brain feels very uh chuck austin to me like they're just being more like direct uh familial connections to connecting their mutations is very Chuck Austin. I am out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I yeah, trust I you feel like, <laughs> I feel like Azazel being like literally the devil comes up in that uh, you know, Nightcrawler becomes the Pope storyline or something. Because it's like he's the son of the devil and that's why, that's part of why they want him to be the Pope or some bullshit. I did not know about um, that. <laughs> I don't uh, think he actually becomes the Pope. I did read that storyline, but I don't think no, I've yeah. finished it yet. They you like see, it's just make... way more fun to say that he becomes the Pope, even though it's not true. He, I know he, he doesn't actually. He doesn't but... even become a priest for real, is the thing. It's Bullshit. like... Yeah, he likes um, fucking the too friends much. Of, <laughs> the, the friends of human... No, this is not... You say that, but that it literally is part of the story. Yeah. The friends of humanity are like... um trying to trick him into thinking he's a priest so that they can get, like, data on um, the X-Men and, like, information in order to take down them as mutants. Um, and one of the things, like, the thing that makes Nightcrawler finally go to uh, the priest that's training him and him be like, I don't think I can be part of the church, is that he likes fucking too much. I think he yeah. says that and in the, the second thing he brings up is is the controversy that was very that was coming out at the time about priests violating children. He's like, oh, also that, but mostly I like fucking too much. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you should put those two things in like On the, same, the page. same thing. <laughs> no, no, I don't think they belong. Pick one. You don't, you don't always other. have to bring up the real world issue. You can, you know? <laughs> yeah, or, or make it about, like, him thinking that the Catholic Church is a corrupt institution, but, like, you know, pick one. Like, pick the yeah. funny answer or the or the serious one. No, I, I think he references the uh, I couldn't become a priest because of... Uh, my carnal desires or whatever like i i think i think in like the first issue of this run like i can spider-man i oh, okay. i remember that's coming up recently or is it in is it like when him and weaponless Zen are getting together maybe maybe yeah back in legion or whatever that was yeah legion yeah for sure definitely in so at some point during the krakow run i mean there's other reasons you shouldn't be a priest yeah uh kurt like you Priest being priests aside, like even your personality, there are things that don't work out there, bud. Yeah, I mean, definitely not with uh, what is going through here. <laughs> kind of last thing I want to talk about is the like his his big speech about you know I've I've like sacrificed so much and I've like fought so hard for for a bunch of people I've been like thrown together with like he's I it's obviously he doesn't like fully believe this but the the way he sort of talks about it as like it's just a random chance that made me a mutant we're all stuck together and I've been like fighting and dying for this um that that shit like really hits I think it's very yeah. good um and he's been living this life since she was like eighteen. 
you know? Like, well, in his entire life, but he's been one of the X-Men since he was, like, 18, so. Yeah, and specifically, I think a lot about, like, the um, Nightcrawler dying to save Hope in Messiah Complex, which is a thing I read on the wiki when I was younger, and I was like, oh man, that's so fucking cool (laughs) that he, like, dies (laughs) teleporting away. Um, And then I finally actually read it, you know, earlier this year, and it is a very good uh, issue. And it's also, it's like, it kind of annoys me how they talk about it in that story, because they're like, oh, Nightcrawler died for his faith, for like, because he believed in (laughs) hope as the mutant messiah. And I think, like, the better read there is just, like, Nightcrawler saw a child who needed help and, like, did whatever he had to do, which is, like, what he would do. Um, But, yeah, they're, like, he really does go through it. And, like, he, he goes to hell after that, I think. And they have to go rescue him from hell. Like... And again, the, he's bringing up the, like, I died fighting in a war that, like, my people didn't even want to win, which is, like, uh, Judgment Day was really bad for Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Like, There's a point where he dies and goes to heaven, and they have to, they take him out of heaven, too, which is, like... I think I've read, I read that story. Yeah. from Buffy, which is like, <laughs> honest, uh, uh, one of the best Buffy storylines, low-key, and it's also one of the ones that came, comes up after Joss Whedon is like almost not part of the project at all. Uh-huh. I don't <laughs> oh, think I even but, watched up to that point. But there is like a very interesting tragedy there about like um uh, a character of faith, like, dying and then people bringing you back from death because death is supposed to be so awful but you've gone to the good version yeah you know there's an interesting thing there but i i don't know i think the thing that like cyspiria is getting like very right in this book is that like nightcrawler has um imposter syndrome as a superhero (laughs) and it's just kind of like um like taking shape here in an entirely different way that works really, really well for the way things are currently going. Like this, his, his emotional state just hits so hard after all the other shit he's been through in this book. And now he feels responsible for everybody in a way he doesn't know what to deal with. So he's rejecting. It's so cool. Yeah. Like the way he is like, as much as it, you know, it's cool that there's fucking in the comic, but, but like also the, the, the way he is about sex currently is also pretty unhealthy. Like, yeah, yeah. This, he shouldn't be in this relationship. The, and, and it's pretty obvious. Like, yeah. And he shouldn't do it for, to like avoid talking about his issues. Yeah. Uh, are we, we good on Spider-Man? Yeah, the next yeah, issue's uh, like preview doesn't really give much away. He just looks a little fucked up with it, I, uh, but it's very cool. I, I just want to talk about the end of this issue though, because it's like he meets with um, Mystique, takes off his masks. He says we need to talk. Then it cuts to, and they do, and then he shows up. Uh, behind Silver Sable is captured 
um and they're like uh let's let's make sure he's not mystique and then this guy like licks him and says sent y chromosome present profile is a perfect match and then they're like then he mutters something about how she will not come like i'm i'm still not sure <laughs> if this is not mystique yeah i i'm not sure it's not mystique either to be honest like i think the 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 like uh y chromosome present thing like yeah that that might like you know the original plan of like mystique being his father and not his mother uh thing like if that comes back um could have something to do with yeah, that I, like, it's i it's definitely not conclusive even if yeah. Orcus thinks it is because it doesn't um, bamf i i do think it's interesting like if this is nightcrawler that he's so like dejected after the origin story like it kind of feels more interesting or it's interesting that the setup is not like you know he's finally got some truth that he didn't know before it's like or well maybe it is some truth he didn't know before but it's like it's not a happy thing he's not like oh shit azazel's not my dad (laughs) sick he's he's like Oh, and because of whatever happened that led Mystique to say that Azazel was my dad, uh, she has, like, rejected me to some degree. Um, I'm very excited to see what that is next week. Yeah, or, absolutely. Uh, two days from now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the listener will probably have read it by now. Yeah. Yeah, because just like the the original like tease for that was uh, finally learn Nightcrawler's origins. Like, yeah, you know, I don't don't super care about origin stories that much. Like whether they previously fucked up his origins or not. Like, you know. But I I, I really am more interested in like what it's gonna do to their relationship as characters. Um, like how they come out of like not the. I'm not not so much interested in the exact contents of the conversation, but more like how they react to it, right? And how they how they go about it. So Yeah. And I have a lot of lot of confidence in Spurrier to make it good and make it oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean coming out of this issue I have I have I have high hopes. <laughs> Yeah, it's this storyline has made me want to go back and read like the other X stuff he's done. Like I know he did a Cyclops solo run of like sixteen year old Cyclops in space with uh, his dad, and I yeah. kind of want to read that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> he also did a lot of Legion stuff, um, which yeah, like, I he think is I think he's like the, the Legion def- definitive writer. Legion guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I've, I've read all. It's like X Men Legacy. And then uh, I think it was just Le- like maybe just Legion was it was called, um, which is there's a lot of lot of good stuff there. Um, and I I read that Cyclops comic, but I didn't. I don't remember anything about it. I don't think it stood out that much to me. But it was a fun concept. Like yeah, he's just doing Guardians of the Galaxy stuff basically. Yeah. Um, he did uh he did have Blazer for DC, but like that run got like cut short. 
he was really disappointed and then he started a creator-owned book that's called Them Them All which is basically just like from 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 what I heard it's basically just like John Constantine but the, someone who isn't <laughs> named John Constantine and now he's uh now he's gotten a lot of an, that going around lately yeah and now he's gonna do another like black label like John Constantine mini back at DC so yeah I I've heard a lot of good stuff about his like Hellblazer John Constantine stuff but I've I I like read the original 300 issue run from like the 90s um, and then I never actually or well no I guess it was probably just fucking 80s 90s 2000s if it was 300 issues um, but I never yeah I think it starts in the 80s I've, yeah, I've tried I, to start it and then like got fallen off a couple times so there's a lot of sick stuff in there and there's a lot of there's sick a lot of stuff, sick in, stuff there. in there yeah. and then there's a lot of stuff that has not aged well yeah that's Garth Ennis yes. right uh, well it's like Garth Ennis Warren Ellis like oh, yeah. it's all the big writer British writers from that time yeah. like get a get a turn I think on Grant it Morrison has a run on it too yeah maybe I think so I think, yeah, I think Grant Morrison might have done the, there's like the, the the one story that's extremely sick where it's like John Constantine is dying of lung cancer because he smokes 15,000 packs a day. Um, yeah, they snagged a bunch of that for the, the movie, I believe. Yeah. Um, but uh, I never actually read any of the Constantine stuff that's like after that because there was like a 10 year gap and then they did a bunch of stuff. And I think I read like the first issue of some James Tinian one or Spurrier. I was just like, Oh, this is, this isn't right. This doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't feel right to me. I can't, I can't oh, do this. I was going to, I, I was getting Grant Morrison and Alan Moore confused. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alan Moore, I, think, I believe wrote on the original, in the original Hellblazer series. I mean, it doesn't and have a like spin out of Swamp Thing run, or something. But... He he definitely yes, did Swamp so. Thing, but yeah, well, like yeah, the first appearance of John Constantine is in is Swamp in Thing. Swamp Thing, which he was writing. But yeah, yeah. And I can't remember if he yeah he might have started Hellblazer. It's like there are so many people over that that long run that it's there's kind a of... Man Thing arc that uh, Chris Claremont wrote where I think Man Thing goes to the the Marvel offices and tries to kill like Chris, Chris Claremont and Louis Simonson and Jim Shooter <laughs> or something okay. like that. He just like shows up at the Marvel office for some reason in there. <laughs> I was pretty stoned when I read uh, it. I don't remember this. <laughs> DC has been like, I haven't gotten around to them, but they've been doing putting pretty interesting people on these like prestige, uh, like vertigo adjacent titles like i think there was a black label swamp thing like there was there was a regular swamp thing and the black label one and like one of them was ram v and the other one was jeff lemire like you know these like very uh prestige like you know people from the creator owned universe um so you know those seem pretty interesting and this new one is going to be Black Label as well, so it's, uh, you know, you don't need to worry about continuity stuff. 
Jean Grey uh, by Louis Simonson and Bernard Chang. Um, Jean Grey. Oh, yeah, you have the wrong names in there. It's fine. Oops. Um, Louis Simonson, Bernard Chang, and the colors are Marcelo Ma- Marcello Maiolo. I don't know what if if they're Italian or Spanish, so either one of those. Jean <laughs> um, uh, recaps the previous visions she had and is confronted by the versions of herself from those visions. She finally confronts the fact that she was killed at the Hellfire Gala and learns that the Phoenix is nearly dead, but believes that she made the right choices in the past. She accepts the phoenix and uses her last efforts to provide hope with power in the White Hot Room. It's... the the, the art's really good. Yeah, man. it's super we, good. We, we, yeah. we all know we that. We say this every time <laughs> about Bernard Chang, but like, what Bernard a... Bernard Chang is killing it. An incredible artist. Like, this is one of... This is an artist I'm gonna, like, be following <laughs> everywhere. Like, it is... It's funny to look at this book compared to Uncanny Spider-Man in terms of, like, the presence of physical versions of anxiety confronting you. Yeah. Like, in Uncanny Spider-Man, there's one little guy, and he's horrible and annoying, <laughs> but you love to hate him. And in this one, there are 17 other Jean Greys that are out there to remind her of her mistakes. But in the end, they end up being kind of encouraging. Like, Jean, get over yourself. You need to just keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah. y- you can do better. You've done better. You've done good. Look. They're, like, physically trying to rip her apart <laughs> before that. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 she has to get there. They they all have to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think this issue works really well as a, like, finale and summation of, like, what's been going on in the series of, like, the Phoenix is passion it's life incarnate it's trusting your instincts going uh believing in the choices you've made you know and gene needed to be reminded that she is she is capable she is powerful she does not need to question herself in this way um and she doesn't need to like deny what what she's previously or like deny her own agency kind of um it's it's very cool it's cool that in the hellfire gala we saw her like use her telekinesis to pull herself apart and then in this one she's using her um like not telekinesis telepathy to pull herself apart in an entirely different way I did a couple of times get confused about which gene was which, but I think that's a little unavoidable in a story like this. Yeah, it's they they like have fairly distinct outfits, but it's kind of uh, um like there there's a lot of green and gold going on. <laughs> Bernard Chang's ability to like switch between like the more plastic and the more like you know throwback style for like the things that happened in the past is just so cool like he's been doing that in uh in monkey prince as well like whenever there was a fresh flashback or like a dream sequence uh i need to read monkey prince more what 
I need to read Monkey Prince. I haven't oh, gotten yeah. to it yet. It's yeah. I mean, it's, but it, it seems very cool. It's really great. Uh, my one, well, there's like one and a half caveats. Uh, one of them is that it ties into an event. Um, oh yeah, I hate that shit. Towards the end, <laughs> uh, that is then setting up the this new DC status quo, basically. Um. And I'm not sure how, because I did read the event along with it. Probably the, the, the Monkey Prince issues are probably still, like, make sense on their own. And the other thing I mean, is just that... Enough, I uh, just will read the event. Like, I'm not above yeah. being tricked into reading it. <laughs> I mean, that event, and it also crosses over with them, with Robin and the Mark Wade uh, Batman versus Robin mini. Um, oh, dope, dope. Which was also pretty that's good. That's also like, stuff that I want to read more of, yeah. The, the Batman vs. Robin mini was like, that That had really sick art too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm like, I, I used to be a Damien hater, and in like maybe the last yeah. few months I've come around as a Damien liker now. I mean, I think pro- I think when he when he appeared, he was probably like, seemed more annoying, but at this point, I, I think he for was. For me, it was like there was a point where I liked him, and then he became I super see, yeah. annoying, and then I started liking him yeah. again recently. So yeah, I like him a lot as like as like the angsty teen, but like he works because there's all the other like more positive ones around him, right? Like yeah. as a contrast to Nightwing, it's uh, or to or to John Kent Superman, like his uh, his best buddies with Superman's gay son. And that's a that's I mean, a very at the fun time dynamic. that I hated him. I was just like very about um, not Jason Todd. I can't even remember his name now. The third Robin, uh, Tim. Um, yeah, Tim Drake. Yeah. I was a big. I was really into Tim Drake for a little bit. I was like, this is my favorite guy. <laughs> and like, then I would read other bad <laughs> stuff, and Damien would be there, and I'd be like, why isn't this Tim Drake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Tim Drake. Uh, the there's a bit in the in the current Nightwing run where like. Uh, Tim Grape, uh, Tim Drake shows up, and then he's thinking Tim like good, Tim actually, Grape. <laughs> the Nightwing is thinking uh, Tim Drake. Everyone thinks he's the greatest Robin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the other thing about the other thing about Monkey Prince is that it ends, and uh, it it ends with a lot of potential for more Monkey Prince stories and. So far, nothing has happened. So I'm just like, of course, of course. bring back this character because it's like a really, really fun character and really fun power. Um, but anyway, uh, Jean Grey, I I love when uh, when like Chang draws uh, Apocalypse and Exodus and Hope like in that in that style. Yeah, it looks sick. Um, the like the power up outfit that Hope gets looks so much better in this issue than it does in Immortal. Like, the the red, um, they just, like, the note didn't get passed or something. Um, but, like, yeah, the, like, Avenging Angel with the, the sword and the wings is really cool. Um, I think it's really um, cool how Bernard Chang is, like, represents the white room as all the color being really washed out, too. I think that's really dope. Yeah, or it's like it's because she's not really there. Like she's 
she's like astral projecting next to them it seems yeah, like yeah in the immortal issue uh hope's straight up wearing a different outfit when this happens she's just wearing like a white dress so like here she's it's what wearing she's wearing before like she has that outfit in jean gray but then the phoenix power gives her a magical girl transformation that it doesn't give her in immortal yes um, yes and they should have because it's cool <laughs> Yeah, I don't have much else to say, like, content-wise. It's a good issue, it's a good issue. series, yeah. Um, but, like, it's it wrapped up in a way that I thought was very clean and, like, pushes us back into the story of Immortal right away so that it doesn't feel like we should dwell on it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate it because that for, like, I appreciate this, this, this mini for, like, kind of grounding Jean Grey as a character or like giving us a okay so this is this is who Jean Grey is right because we we haven't like she hasn't really gotten a lot of cool stuff to do in Krakoa um so yeah I, I I like that I like it establishing um the phoenix being an essential part of her like not Unretconning the retcon of and like cleaning it up so that yeah. like now it's a part of her even when it's in other people, um like they're still connected even when like she is essentially choosing hope as a um yeah she's like sharing kind of yeah as a host for the phoenix and um I don't know it's it. it I don't know. <laughs> I it's like Jean Grey will return in X Men Forever. Kind of feels like, yeah. Um, and the last like couple pages um, where she's or that last page uh, is gonna be like a very cool visual pair with that first uh, X Men Forever cover with Jean and the Phoenix in of blood behind her. Mortal X-Men 17, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Juan Jose Rip, uh, colors by David Curiel. On Krakoa, Charles contemplates suicide to remove the lingering influence of Sinister once and for all, but the psychic imprint tries to convince him that they should work together to fight against the Dominion. They leave for Muir Island together in an attempt to stop the other Sinisters. Uh, in the white-hot room, Hope and Exodus fight against the, fa the fake apocalypse, winning because of phoenix power given to Hope by Jean. Mother Righteous attacks Destiny, makes Krakoa attack the mutants living on it, and escapes into the desert with a chained Jean Grey. What's the temperature on when <laughs> Rip's art on this? Uh... I, I mean, I complained about his art, yeah. the, la the last Wolverine. I think during the fight between Exodus and Apocalypse and Hope, his art looks sick. Um, the rest of it, I'm not so hot on. Yeah, but, it's like ugly on purpose, and that's not my favorite style. <laughs> but it looks really cool when he made like Apocalypse making those gross ass fakes. Yeah, is sick. I mean, so that's what it, like, that's what Kieran Kieran said about this that you wanted to work with Rip because he has that like 
European horror style <laughs> art. Um, I don't know. I do like. Like, I don't mind the face he gives Charles. Um, or, like, the bit where he goes into Sinister's mind. Like, that's, that looks pretty good. But, like, yeah. It's weird to me that Charles is blonde. Like, his beard is blonde. And not, like, gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, I don't know where uh, that comes from. It might be... It might be just, like, supposed to be the sunset reflecting yeah. off of it that's making it look like that or something, but, like, it should it should be just, <laughs> like, straight-up white IMO. Make that man look old. But, like, that's not a big deal. Who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't bother me at all. Like, that's, that's yeah, in the same uh, yeah. territory as, like, changing the costume because the artist likes that one better. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I... I respect that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like. I like. I like Rip's art here better than in the Wolverine issue because uh, uh, in this one it serves a story that is more interesting. Yeah, and I think like both, uh, like Char- Charles ends up looking a lot more haggard uh, in Rip's art than he he has in previous issues of Immortal, and I think that really lends to what's going on with the story here. I guess that's why I was complaining about the blonde is because, like, I want him to look even more haggard and, like, like, gray hair would make that happen. Uh, But he does look, like, worn the fuck out, even though he seems maybe a little more put together than he has been. Like, he's putting himself back together at the very least here. Yeah, he's, like... I mean, he's in a bad place here. Like, he is literally... Oh, well, I know one way to get Sinister out of here is pretty, pretty yeah. rough. Um, I, it, it kind of feels a bit quick that it's immediately like he found out about the Sinister stuff at the end of last issue. And then we're, uh, you know, the, the psychic Sinister is having to come out and be like, hey, man, but... I yeah, feel I like could have dealt could... with like twenty episodes, twenty <laughs> issues of of Charles and uh, Sinister fighting over his own mind, but like I understand why the pace yeah. is happening as it is. Yeah, I feel like this could be just like specifically because they had to do the like Jean Grey stuff before this issue. I could see that causing the schedule to be a bit weird. It's very funny that he's just like, oh yeah, I just had some shit in you from like the nineties, uh, <laughs> no, from like from Project Black Womb back when I was like, I had some work. shit in you from since you were a baby, basically yeah. is what he's saying there. Because I think Project um, Black Womb is the project that he worked on with uh, Xavier's dad. Yeah, yeah, that's actually it's, uh, like it's just it got, it got like. X. Yeah. It got revealed in the 90s, but it's actually from, like, World War II or some shit. Yeah. After, like, to me, the reason why I love this issue of Immortal X-Men is that after, like, 20-something issues of, like, different Jerry Duggan comics of Dr. Stasis, it feels so good to have the real Sinister back. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the real sinister that little like little worm man yeah. just <laughs> scurrying about going oh please please we have to we have to fight the dominion just please I can't let someone me, else win yeah please I don't kill it's me. so fu- and Kieran Gunn is just so good at writing him that 
It's so funny that he's like, yes, of course I would have liked to be Dominion. I wanted to be <laughs> Dominion, but now that I can't be it, now we got to stop it. I mean, Charles being like, you you still think that like if you get a chance, you'll take me over. He's like, yeah, well, of course I will. <laughs> I'm sinister. What the fuck else do you think I'm going to do with my time while I'm in your head? I'd be bored otherwise. You'd do anything. You'd you'd say anything to keep on living. Of course I would. It's like kind of not fair of Karen of of Kieran Gillen to be taking the better sinister, like both the better sinister characters too. Like both uh, Mother Righteous and uh, Mister Sinister are here, yeah. as opposed to Doctor Stasis, who's like, Meh. and uh, Orbis Solaris, who's like, not where the fuck is he? Who cares? He'll be back. Oh later. yeah. He's gonna be I'm in. I'm fine with that, though. <laughs> I feel like he's probably gonna be in the Powers of X thing because that's gonna go like future. Yeah, future space, space. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's gonna be in the Resurrection of Magneto because that would be the other, like the other possibility would have been that it's gonna tie into Red somehow. But I mean, the only reason I want to see Orvis Stellaris is because I think his little beer gut is cute. <laughs> Uh, but other, otherwise, like, I don't know him yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has to show up again, like. For sure, yeah. I still, I'm still very much on the, like, theory that the Dominion is not one of the Sinisters, though, and that it is. Um, he keeps saying it's it just, one of the Sinisters. <laughs> it, it just tricked him. It tricked him. Into we'll thinking see. it was. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm pretty fine with it being as innocent. Yeah, I'm not gonna be mad either way. I don't really give a shit about who this out of time god is. At the end of the day, I sleep soundly either way. Uh, I think there there's a really interesting bit where, like, when Charles goes into Sinister's mind and he's like, um, you know, inner lives are beautiful things. I've walked through the depths of many minds, like rainforests populated with endless whim and memory, with colors and palettes of dream. This is cold and empty and sad. It's like both he's he's both like getting sinister pretty bad, like um or like and showing how empty and cold sinister is. And also I think it like him talking about the beauty of seeing other people's minds is an interesting way to think about how like Charles in like Immortal 10 when he's talking about having all this power and the capability to like do whatever he wants and change people however he wants but resisting it and obviously there's the sinister influence there but it's like when he's actually talking about being able to resist that i think the idea that he looks at other people's brain minds and sees something beautiful and like unique helps to sell that that like he he can look at someone and f feel the beauty there and not want to change it maybe um, no, I'm, you're you're being so nice to Charles right yeah. now. I think he <laughs> wants to change Look. it. <laughs> I think he but sees it's the beauty of... there, and then he goes, "Oh, but I can fix these three or four things." Yeah, but I think it it, it ties into the idea that like the better version of him that we sometimes see. Yeah, absolutely. Like the like 
I think this the conversation we have about Charles could probably mirror the conversation we have about Captain America, where Charles is like dream or like the version of Charles that like is professing that dream of a better world um, is like the idealistic version. There is an idealistic version of that character there to aspire to. And like a lot of the things that are the most interesting are how he's not that person. Um, but here Gillen is getting into a way that him pushing himself to be that person is super interesting regardless you know like his rejection of like sinister in this space and yet him still having to work with him is is a good a good counterbalance to all that yeah has there been like i haven't tried a ton of x-men stuff obviously uh but has there been like a better child story than what Kieran Killen is cooking up like over immortal I don't think so like I when I got to X-Men comics like my impression was that Charles Xavier is is like the boring character that like nobody actually cares about he's a character that doesn't get explored yeah very deeply very often I think um there's like a cool storyline with him and um magic in the new mutants where magic like accidentally teleports herself all the way to uh the space like station or whatever that uh charles is landed on with the star jammers when he's told the x-men to like fuck off um and part of that story is like what ends up bringing charles back into the fold of rejoining the mutants and like uh going back to the responsibilities he set up for himself, which is pretty cool, but, like, this is genuinely the most in-depth and interesting look at Charles I've ever seen. If there's something in the 90s or, like, the more recent stuff, I just haven't read it. TBH, but, like, this this kicks ass. Yeah, like, this is definitely my favorite. I think, like, New new X-Men, again, doesn't really go into him as in as much depth, but there's cool Charles stuff there. I think the pre pre age of apocalypse stuff the like flashbacks to magneto and charles um in israel uh is pretty good and interesting um but it's again it's it's a few issues all the interesting old stuff with charles is when they point out how he's not as good of a bat as good of a guy as he says he is like that's when he becomes the most interesting and Kieran Gillen has has found a different way to make Charles interesting here. You know, like, we're actually seeing him as a character, as a person, rather yeah. than as, like, an authority figure that the rest of the characters um, are in relationship with, either positively or negatively. Because that's the thing, is, like, a lot of the time, Charles just isn't a character as much as he is... He's, like, a, a type. force that they have... To, he, like, tells or them he's like a, he's like a function it, in the you know? story, like a narrative. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Narrative function, he's, basically. He's yeah. very static for that reason a lot of the time. Not to say that he's never been a character, but, like, that. it's just how he's used a lot of the time. I think a lot of writers aren't interested in diving deep into Charles. Yeah. I, I think, like, it, uh, he's interesting in all the claremont stuff that i've read so far but like again he is yeah he's often just a, a sort of specific force on the story more than and it, he more than someone who has an interior the way claremont used him um i think was more to set up magneto as an interesting character ultimately um because like 
Charles is the end of Charles's story in Claremont's series is like he just fucks off, right? Um, but before that, like his big um, moments are when he um, like accepts Magneto as a good guy, like he and when he's pushing up against Storm as a leader of the X Men and trying to like take over more directly. Um, those are his like two big storylines I remember at least. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to some of the storm stuff. It's it's good. Yeah. Ask me in like six months and I'll tell <laughs> yeah. you about like if he was good in the nineties. <laughs> I would be surprised. <laughs> there there's some more uh this this book is about faith stuff where Charles is like um my my refusal to step back is what like caused all these problems. Uh, I I should just have faith that my X Men will sort out the Dominion, but then he in the end decides to do it himself. <laughs> so it's kind of like he's he's like he's he's kind of trying, but he's not quite. Well, that's there. like definitely Charles's like biggest thing is whether or not he needs to step aside or be the main, uh, like the the main pushing force behind all this stuff and he once again is at this point where he could say oh i have to leave it to everyone else and he's kind of trying to at the beginning of the issue like that's why he's going to off himself in part alongside of getting rid of sinister like that's the other benefit is he's lost faith in his faith in himself but now he gets it back get it back and whether or not that's a good thing i think we'll see in the next few issues <laughs> Yeah, the, like, initial Charles losing faith in himself beat was, like, in that, uh, in that Doug issue where, like, Doug got, like, sucked into Krakoa, <laughs> where he was, like, ready to, like, you know, completely step down, and then a lot of shit happened. <laughs> I think we didn't mention is that the narration of this, uh, is entirely quotes from phoenix and dark phoenix sagas uh oh okay i didn't even uh, realize <laughs> every everything here is a line that gene slash the phoenix says in claremont x-men uh and beyond there's some of the some of that is from the uh greg pack uh phoenix something some other phoenix event like i saw like a breakdown where they uh, I, I they referenced all yeah. of them. So it was there. How bouncy is Greg Puck? Is he made of rubber? What? How bouncy is Greg oh. Puck? Is he made of rubber? <laughs> his pet P A K. Uh, oh, okay. okay. And I'm he's, so sorry, Greg. he's, I think, half Korean or something. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's where that name comes from. Um, no, it was some of that, and then also some of it from, like, Stan Lee, I think. Like, Lee Kirby. Uh, where Gene is like, what kind of school is this? Yeah, that's that's like, um, yeah, the the because the first like, Gene joining the X Men is like the first or second issue or something, yeah. I think. It's also shown in a flashback during the Dark Phoenix saga, which oh, is maybe why yeah. I got it mixed up. Um, well, yeah, yeah after she's it's, dead, it's the first issue is when she joins the X Men. Yeah, because she's like the last to join and then later is retconned to be the first to join because Charles has been secretly training her since she was like 10 or whatever 
Phoenix End Song was the Greg Park. There's also some new X-Men stuff. Um, Grant Morrison, Phil Jimenez, new X-Men bit, but it's all it's all Phoenix related. Um, that makes sense. With I guess with the exception of like the the bit where she shows up at first, because that's just Jean. But all like I guess pivotal Jean Grey moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the that's the caption stuff. Uh, I like overall found the Charles and Sinister bit like more exciting than um, yeah, it's the most interesting part of the issue for sure especially because like charles being like i'm gonna do it right this time and then immediately listening to the sinister (laughs) side of himself is like maybe not a good play my friend immediately teams up with mr sinister um with like a with like a hologram mr sinister like stepping into his sinister uh boat uh u-boat whatever this is (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just some sort of like a diamond submarine it looks very cool like it looks like some real sci-fi shit um i do want to say i think uh trip's art uh really lends to in the coloring too especially um it makes the autumn look in yeah on krakoa look really really sick well, yeah because it is like, the fall of it kind of being in a s- stage of dying on the island is yeah. gorgeous and it really like sets the tone for the I, I honestly i think that's one of the reasons the um sinister charles stuff is more engaging slightly than the the other stuff in the book is just like the environment is so it's pulling yes. in so much to what they're saying on top of everything else yeah it's a great uh you know how in uh uh fucking what's that michael mann movies they always have a moment when there's two guys staring at a large body of water and having like an important conversation. Like, yeah. Here he's star he's staring at like this like wilting forest. Um and it's cool. I yeah, I mean Rip is really good at like the landscapes for sure. Like that like pointy art or like not pointy, but what's the Yeah. Like dotted i guess arc like really lends itself to like a lot of leaves and like glass blades and like sand like this big explosion here where she's like i am phoenix looks sick yeah and then the the main big story beat that we haven't covered yet um or talked about was uh mother righteous fucking shit up at the end of the book for the other members of the white hot room um she almost kills our our little boy kafka <laughs> when he he comes in on her tried to kill destiny yeah and then she's like okay time to call in all my favors and uh she uses like the force of the krakoa they're on to try and kill them all and she takes uh the chained up jean gray into the desert with her and they're gonna yeah i mean she something if she almost kills kafka she like pretty much kills destiny like she's bleeding out but then she's running away and like blows everything up 
uh, or like the island, like you know, destroys everything. So there's no there's no time to save Destiny here. You don't think Destiny is doing too well? It 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 feels like Destiny figures some shit out here as well. Like, uh, see, I'm I'm like when she's saying outside time and space, it can't see me. It's like it, it it could be read as she's talking about the Dominion is out outside time and space, or is it because she is outside time and space right now? The Dominion can't see her, so this is like the the opportunity they have to actually work against it without being like viewed. And figuring that out is like key to how they might eventually be able to defeat the Dominion. But then Mother Righteous fucks it up. Yeah, I wonder when she says, when Destiny is like, stop, Mother Righteous, you're a sinister. Yes, you have to stop. You don't know what you're... And then step, 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 please listen. Like, is that a hint that maybe Mother Sinister is not going to be the Dominion? Like... That's why. That's why I'm still in camp. None of the sinisters are. Gonna Did I say be mother sinister, mother righteous? <laughs> you did, um, but... Because like she's like when she says you don't understand, yeah. like you don't know what you're. I think she's about to say like, nah, you're being tricked. It's none of you. <laughs> He's it gonna kill the sinisters, be... or it could just be Doctor Stasis or Orbis Solaris yeah. instead. Or it could be that. The thing that Sinister saw was actually someone in the white hot room because they are also outside of time and space. And if they could communicate out, Mother Righteous could convince him that he's not going to make it and then make all this shit happen for some reason. I kind of don't think that's what's happening, but I do think it's like Destiny can communicate with people from here and get plans going that the Dominion can't see coming or something. And, like, the the White Hot Room becomes home base for... specifically for fighting against the Dominion in some way, or just ha- has an important role to play, obviously, which it fucking obviously does, yeah. <laughs> because it's the White Hot Room and the Phoenix yeah. and everything else is going on, but... Um, she is an... Ex- that, the dagger she has is very sick. The like black with yeah. the like gray silver edges and like the etchings in it, just just great. Oh, did yeah. we talk about like uh, speaking of like magical or like magical beings and swords? Uh, I I I'm not sure we mentioned that like Nightcrawler apparently always slashes through the bazookas that uh, that Mystique brings out. Like she she's like, why are you? Why do you keep? Cutting through my guns with your magic sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like easiest way to disarm her, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I think Mother Righteous does look great, like in Pips in Rip's art. Like a lot of the a lot of the faces he draws look like kind of ugly, um, in like an intentional way. But uh it's it's like the color scheme of how he does lips yeah. just doesn't work for me or something. But for her, for her, it, it does somehow works. Yeah. She has the red skin. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrified Kafka face just looks 
really oh yeah horrifying. yeah this is real bad <laughs> it's scary <laughs> but like then she's supposed to look scary on the next page yeah. so it's like she works so well especially when she's leaning over Jean Grey like very menacingly oh yeah that's great She's like leaning over the the husk of what used to be Jean Grey. I don't think, I don't think Jean's in there really anymore. There's just like a, some small connection to the Phoenix or something. I mean, I I don't think this cover means anything for the next one. Oh, the Vor cover. Yeah, because she drops uh, Cyclops, Emma, Charles, and uh, Jean into her mouth. Um, yeah, I doubt Cyclops. Yeah, that would be surprising. I, I, probably not Emma either, but definitely not Cyclops yeah. will be in the issue. Yeah, I kind of like wonder if the if the like uh, Jean Grey stuff isn't gonna resolve until like X Men Forever. Like, if we're gonna get like two issues of Fall of the Powers of X. No, Rise of the Powers of X. I always have to, have to remember it's. It's Fall of the House of X because it's like Fall of the House of Asher. That's how, that's how I've been like keeping the two apart. <laughs> so in Rise of the Powers of X, like I wonder if it's going to be like two issues of what the fuck is even going on? How did we get here? And then like with X Men Forever, it starts making sense. Yeah, probably. Because it's it's Kieran Gillen, and it would be surprising if it immediately makes sense. Made sense. <laughs> <laughs> He does not uh, make things easy for readers. No, sometimes. he's great at he's he's great at nonlinear storytelling, yeah. but he makes you do the work of paying attention for sure. Yeah, he said uh, he said it is getting to a point where he has to like double and triple check everything if uh, if there's some uh, dramatic yeah. irony he like built in that he forgot about and is now just a plot hole <laughs> and uh, he said he almost forgot that uh, Charles didn't know about the Dominion like that <laughs> since yeah. has to explain that to him because uh, he built that in as like dramatic irony <laughs> It's also great that Sinister doesn't know Mother Righteous. Yeah. He's like, uh, Stasis, Orbis, Stellaris, and whoever that third one is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be a good reveal when they, like... Oh, yeah. They, they deal with Orbis, Stellaris, or Dr. Stasis or something, and then their dying breath is like, Mother Righteous, no! <laughs> <laughs> Are like, oh fuck, we gave her so much power on Krakoa. We just replaced the sinister with a sinister. At the end of this issue though, she's cashing in a lot of those checks that she's Oh yeah. Like yeah. that's the presumption is she's saying, Oh, I have to use up all of my thank yous right now. But I think it's like the thank yous specifically from these Well, yeah. I don't know. I bet how she has a I don't lot of thank you powers work. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems like it's just like the sort of general Krakoan thank yous, like. Well, maybe that's what her like mutant power that she doesn't understand is. It's like maybe it's a similar deal to when uh, the Scarlet Witch used to be a mutant, where it was just like, oh, the mutant power makes her magic better. But here, it's like more clarified that like the thank yous 
give her power. I, I don't. I don't think. I feel like she Probably doesn't not, have a mutant but... power. No, she does have a mutant power. They, they've said well, she it. says she does. <laughs> and she, hope well, and detects then hope is it. Like, oh, but, I, I feel all this mutant shit. But I think that's like some essence she has like stolen or something. That's like, she, I, I, I don't. I just don't believe her. So. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into what we've been reading outside of X books? Yeah. I read the Dark Knight Returns. Um, kind of a, you know, bit of a bit of an indie recommendation here. <laughs> uh, no, it's really good. It's like the way, the way like Batman fans have been talking about it is like so stupid that it's uh, this. This was the book that made. Batman, uh, grim, dark, and edgy, and it's really not that. <laughs> like he'd been grim, dark, and edgy for a minute before that too. Like it, it was not. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's mainly like I, I. It's really funny that it's like the issue that like weird Batman nerds or the comic that weird Batman nerds are like holding up when it's like not an easy read at all like it has all these like very small panels with like a ton of captions and like all this uh this like not not very like straightforward narrative uh batman isn't in it that much uh but i think it it really works as a like as a work of like nuclear paranoia like cold war paranoia like the the nuclear uh, weapon, like, the nuclear war stuff in it is so scary. Like, that's legitimately, like, some of the most terrifying I have seen, like, nuclear war or nuclear paranoia scene, like, scene portrayed. Uh, so, yes. So it's a pretty good comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind, of a, kind of a classic one. Um, I, they had it at my library, uh, so... I checked oh, nice. it out and read it. Yeah, my library has a ton of comics. Yeah. I need to go there and check some out. I mean, it's one, like, The Dark Knight Returns is, like, something that's probably not very fun to read on a tablet, because you have to zoom in so much. <laughs> it was, like, my, the I think, the first graphic novel mm. I read, because it was, like, my, my friend, my, like, best friend when I was a kid, he had, uh, Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns yeah. and I just like <laughs> sat on the sofa while he played Guitar Hero and I just like read read Watchmen twice and then like the next weekend I just like read Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen again <laughs> just like yeah my high school library had like maybe 12 comic books and maybe eight of them were like the last two volumes of several different manga <laughs> In like never the beginning, just the last <laughs> two. Um, but the, both the Dark Knight Returns and uh, Watchmen were in there, so I got to read them pretty early. Um, I've been reading Batgirls; it's been good. Oh, yeah. I've been liking it. Um, and then I've also um, I read some of Strange Academy, and I really like that as well. Scotty Young is the writer on that. Like, I I went straight to the first run of it. I didn't skip to the the newer one. So, but that's that's been a lot of fun too. It's very much like, like look at all these weird characters, and now they have to get along, which is one of my favorite things in comic books. So, um, 
yeah, that's all I got on other stuff though. Yeah, um, been been on like reading reading books. Uh, Sanderson update finished Stormlight two and three, um, which like st- the end of the third Stormlight is the most shonen his stuff gets, and it rocks. It's like a very very good finale for that sort of arc. Um, and then I finished off a trilogy. There's like the um, a British author called Adrian Tchaikovsky, um, who writes a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. And I sort of discovered him last year and I've read a fair few of his books and I really like them. And he had a trilogy that finished earlier this year, but I sort of started reading the last book and then didn't finish it until just a couple of days ago. Um, it's like the, the final architecture um, is the name of the trilogy. It's about like there's, you know, humans go up to space, they meet aliens, and then uh, one day a, a thing shows up that is like the size of the moon um, beside Earth, and it just like unfolds Earth into uh, like a bunch of different strands. And it looks like a weird piece of art and uh, like half of all the humans that exist die in like one day. And then there's just like a hundred years where these, these things, the architect will just randomly show architects will just randomly show up at a planet and just like destroy it completely. And the entire human race is like in a constant state of uh, evacuation and like terror and uh eventually they find a way to stop the architects and then the, the the main series is set like 50 years later um but it's like the entire human civilization is still defined by this massive traumatic like war that they went through where they basically couldn't fight back at any point um and it's extremely sick uh there's like a lot of really cool the way he like writes alien civilizations i think is really cool and like actually alien in a way that uh sometimes things don't quite do um and there's a lot about like when the architect when an architect shows up every, everyone who's in the system just like dedicates everything to getting as many people off the planet as they can and it's just like everyone, you know, every shuttle is going up and down until the last second. They're like every every uh, ship that has any weapons is like attacking the architect, even though it won't do anything, even though it'll only like save, like maybe delay it for a couple of seconds. And there's just like, I find it really cool. These, these stories of like an apocalyptic thing happening and everyone fighting for like every life that they can save and then this like massive scale of it um has just written really well um and like the story over the trilogy goes some wild places and uh it's really sick i he's he's written a bunch of other good books as well so <laughs> I'll, I'll get to some of them at some point i'm gonna throw another um, recommendation since nick uh nick said bad girls uh becky clune and the the writer of that has a new comic out that is written and drawn by her and tula lole um and it's it's called somna 
it's like another like one of those like prestige issue comics where it's like a larger issue for the price of like a bit less than gods um and it's uh it's an erotic horror uh story of like you know think like bram stoker's dracula like the movie uh where it's like this it's uh this woman who is the wife of a witch finder like during witch hunt times who keeps having like sexual nightmares of a demon and uh it's the two artists like becky clunan draws the reality or the like awake sequences uh with like the more like manga inspired like you know, typical like comic, like comic key art, I guess. And then Tula Lole does the nightmare sequences and the more like painterly style. So it's really, really cool, like way they do the art on that one. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a very pretty book, very horny. Um, yeah, I think it's only gonna have like three issues or something. So yeah, it's being distributed by Distillery. Yes. I think? Oh, is that the weird, like, limited digital thing? I'm not sure what it is. Uh, independent comic <laughs> publisher. It's founded. Was founded this year. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird stuff with their distribution, or like they're they're doing digital distribution, but only limited numbers. I, I yeah. don't know. It's it's like. It's not NFTs, but it sounds like <laughs> NFTs. Oh, it no. was, <laughs> but like it's not NFTs. I, I don't think it is because like all the people who are like the founders of this are like uh, Jamie McKelvey, Scott Snyder, James Tynion, Ram V. Like it's like a bunch of like these. Yeah, no, no, that's that is the thing I'm thinking of. Um, it's just a really weird thing. Yeah. Like it's not. I I don't know. It's it's not like. <laughs> evil it's just a, a weird choice yeah. <laughs> that they're making with it i don't know um and i i don't fully know oh yeah how, it says here in the, the quote distribution uh, is. oh it seems like they have retail only covers and they have digital only covers oh okay so maybe if you want like a certain digital cover you have to buy it i don't know i'm just looking at like one of i just searched somna on their website page so i'm not getting like detailed information right yeah now. it's like i don't know it says uh yeah they're not doing nfts like they say we don't want to do anything <laughs> consider anything with cryptos or nfts uh, but yeah, the, the collectible stuff. They, is they were very yeah. clear about that when they yeah. started out because it kind of sounded <laughs> yeah. adjacent to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just I remember hearing about them and it being weird. Yeah, but the comic sounds cool. So <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly probably going to buy this uh, on Wednesday when I go to the shop. All right, so that's been Hayden and Feared. Uh, our hosts are me, Nick. Holly was kidnapped by Orcus again this week, or maybe the Dominion. We'll find out when we go to rescue her. Um, and Janosch and Kiwi. Uh, we, our intro and outro music is um, 
Welcome to My Island by Caroline Polachek. We'll probably also use um, Evilest Man or Get Out of My Mind Fuzz from uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard as the outro. I haven't decided yet. Uh, <laughs> love, a, love a sinister outro, though. Um, and uh, resist. Resist. We're part of good episode productions. Resist. <laughs> resist. Oh, tell your friends about this show. We don't we don't say this often enough. Uh, yeah, tell your friends about our show. Review us on iTunes. Like primarily the first one. Though. Yeah, if you Mostly know like one person who us. is into X Men comics, you know. We should oh, have we did. I totally forgot about this. I'm sorry to keep you guys another little bit, but we did technically get an email. It was not on our emails, oh. but Andy, friend of the show, sent me a, a, a DM saying he has an email for the show. <laughs> uh, he's, he said, uh, fun fact, uh, Damon is still pronounced demon. So <laughs> I don't remember. When did that come up? <laughs> um, I, I think it was the last time we were talking about Jean Grey. So <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I don't honestly. Oh, I only... yeah, like the Inferno stuff. Oh, yeah, it was the Inferno stuff. I'm pretty sure. Um, but wow, honestly, I'm still probably gonna keep saying Damon. I'm sorry, Andy. Anyways, yeah. resist, resist, <laughs> resist. resist saying Damon. <laughs> And if you can believe it. I've seen too much killing in my life. Bishop is only trying to help his people. The name's Nightcrawler. And at least I don't reek like unwashed lederhosen. Get out of my house. Exodus. The worst parts of these books recently is when I get to the Ahsoka maze. (laughs) <laughs> and then I have to solve it before I can read the next page. See, I uh, I didn't have that in my digital uh, copy, so I was uh, I was spared that. Um, as much as I, I mean, I guess maybe there is reason to still buy print comics if you get to solve a maze puzzle. Yeah, it's different each time too. <laughs> We were just uh, talking about how Nick's print issues have uh, have a Star Wars Ahsoka um, uh, maze puzzle in it. Yeah, it's a Lego. It's an advertisement for the Lego Star Wars books, Great. and it's got like a maze in it. But there's yeah. like a few different ones. So I've I've literally I don't know why I felt compelled to, but I have been solving some of the mazes. <laughs> Um, I was gonna be like, man, I don't know if they know their audience for like Immortal X Men, but I guess they do. <laughs> no choice but to ignore the voices in the newspaper. I feel so sad from what I see. Misinformation around me. I have 